welcome, my faithful and loyal readers and listeners. Welcome to another segment of First of the Day. Today's first comes from John 3, 16 through 18, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the Son of, in the name of God's one and only Son. So verse 16, just the opening verse, just the one that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Is the most well-known and beloved verse in the Bible. You see, Jesus is God's unique Son. His death is the supreme demonstration of that love. So the purpose of uh, purpose for the purpose for Jesus is coming is brought out both negatively and positively. So in verse 16, God sent Jesus so that those who believe in him will not perish. That's the negative part. But have eternal life. That's the positive part. And in verse 17, God sent Jesus not to condemn the world at this time, that's the negative part, but to bring salvation, that is the positive part. So, love and salvation are the reasons the Father sent His Son. Salvation was central to Jesus' mission and belief in Jesus is the decisive issue. Those who believe in him are not condemned, while those who do not believe in him are condemned already. Today's Bible readings are Judges 2.10 through 3.31, through 22.14-34. Psalm 92, 1 through 93, 5, and Proverbs 14, 1 through 2. So that concludes our verse of the day segment. We're now going to move in to day 114 of our Through the Bible in One Year segment. And today's focus is on 22, 7 through 20, which in case you were wondering, deals with the Lord's Supper, or the, or the Last Supper, as it would have been, been called. 
So here's what that this passage says. It says, Then the day then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. And said to the owner of the house, the teacher asked, Where is the guest room? Where I where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. <clears throat> in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup <clears throat> is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Poured out for you. So in today's passage, we see the Last Supper, or as we now call it, as we now call it, we see the Last Supper, and as we now call it, the institution. Oh, oh okay, hold on. So we see the Last Supper, and the institution of what we now call the uh, Sacrament of Communion, or as it is also called, the Lord's Supper. Sorry about that. There was a small typo there in my notes. So my goal is at the end, by the end of this, that you will have a better understanding of what the Lord's Supper or Communion means, and most importantly of all, why we celebrate it. So with that being said, let's begin. So when Jesus pronounced, this is my body, and this cup is the new covenant, he did not mean that the bread and wine are a repeating sacrifice. They do not, that is, the bread and the wine, or the bread and the grape juice, whatever it is that you use as the elements of the communion, or the elements of the Lord's Supper, they do not become Christ's actual body and his blood. 
and they do not convey justifying grace. So let's explain that just a little bit. This is not included if you've read the blog post that goes along with this. This is not included. So what we're talking about here is a concept called transubstantiation, which means, for those of you who are Catholic, this is going to rock your mind. Sorry about that. What we, what transubstantiation is, is that the point where the celebrant in a Orthodox or a Catholic Mass holds up what is called the Eucharist and says, this is my body, or in Latin, Ocus Corpus Minum, which literally means the same thing when he says those words, the bread that he has held up literally becomes the very body of Christ. So then, if it's not his actual body, and if it's not his actual blood, then what then is it? So the bread and the wine, or the bread and the grapes, whatever you use for the second portion of the elements of communion, symbolize Jesus' death. The Lord's Supper is a precious memorial <coughs> to remind people about Jesus' sacrificial death. It conveys sanctifying grace to the Christian who eats and drinks in faith because Jesus is spiritually present as his people fellowship with him and with each other. So now that we understand what the Lord's Supper is really all about, let's dig a little deeper into its actual meaning. So the supper that Jesus ate with his disciples that we just read about on that Thursday night some 2,000 years ago was a Passover meal. Before we can explore what that really means and how it will change the way most of y'all will think about the Lord's Supper, we gotta define two words. We gotta define two words that will help us to better understand what is going on here. <clears throat> the two words that we're going to define, the two words that we need to define, are type and anti-type. We have to define those two words in a biblical sense. So I know this might be hard for some of you to understand. Thinking, well, this is not a Bible class. This is not Bible college. This is not Bible school. As defined, are really, really, really easy to understand. <coughs> so, this is the straight Bible dictionary. Define type. It's a figure, representation, or symbol. 
kingdom as an, as an event in the Old Testament or shadows another in the New Testament. So bear that in mind. So Nelson's defines any type as a fulfillment or completion of an earlier truth revealed in the Bible. So keep that in mind also. And to see the and to see the Old Testament foreshadowing of, uh, of what we celebrate every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, every time we celebrate the sacrament of communion, the ordinance of communion, whatever term we use to describe it, we are going to turn to two passages from the Book of Exodus. Why are we going to the Old Testament? Well, you'll see shortly. We're going to look at Exodus 12, 1 through 28, and Exodus 13, 1 through 16. So get ready. So here's what Exodus 12, 1 through 28 says. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, <coughs> This this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor. Having taken into account the number of people there are, you want to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you the animal you choose <coughs> excuse me. The animals you choose must be year old males without defect. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they were to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat, roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some of it is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. It in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every first born of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. <coughs> this is the day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. <coughs> For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses. 
for whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day to the seventh must be cut off from Israel. On the first day hold a sacred assembly and another on the seventh day. Do no work at all on these days except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance of the generations to come in the first month. You are to eat bread without yeast from the evening of the 14th day until the evening of the 21st day. For seven days no yeast is to be found in your houses. Anyone with a foreigner or native born who eats anything with the yeast in it must be cut off from the community of Israel. Eat nothing made with yeast. Wherever you live, you must eat unleavened bread. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go in once, go at once, and select the animals for your families, and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a branch of take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the tops on the top and sides of the door frame and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land, the Lord will give you as he promised. Observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you what does this ceremony mean to you, then tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites of Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. So that's Exodus 12, 1 28. So now we're going to move on to Exodus 13. The Exodus 13, 1 through 16. Which says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. First offspring of every woman among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Then Moses said to the people, Commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out of it <coughs> with a mighty hand. Eat nothing containing yeast. Today in the month of Aviv, you are leaving when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and Jebusites. The land he swore to your ancestors to give you. A land flowing with milk and honey. You are to observe this ceremony in this month. For seven days, eat bread made without yeast. And on the seventh day, hold a festival to the Lord. What a festival to the Lord. 
eat unleavened bread during those seven days, nothing of the yeast in it is to be seen among you, nor should any yeast be seen anywhere within your borders. On that day, tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. This observance will be for you like a sun on your hand and a reminder on your forehead that this law of the Lord is to be on your lips. <clears throat> for the Lord brought you out of Egypt with his mighty hand. You must keep this ordinance at the appointed time, year after year. After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you, as he promised on oath to you and your ancestors, you are to give over to the Lord the first spring, <coughs> the first offspring of every womb, all the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. In days to come, when your sons ask you, what does this mean? Say to him with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrifice to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. And it will be like a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand. So remember how we said a type is a foreshadowing or an illustration or a for, uh, foreshadowing is a good way to put it of what will happen later in the New Testament and the foreshadowing of the Old Testament of what would happen in the New Testament and and, and, and the antitype is the fulfillment of that foreshadowing of that promise in the New Testament so the Passover meal is a type keep that in mind the Passover meal is a type and the Lord's Supper is its anti-type. You're following so far. Because it's about ready to get good. So the Passover meal was both a sacrifice and a covenant renewal ceremony. In which Israel remembered the Exodus and the old covenant that God inaugurated with the blood of sacrificial animals. So, keep that in mind, right? So the Passover was both a sacrifice and a covenant renewal ceremony. So where the Lord's Supper is not a sacrifice. It is not a sacrifice, right? So when you take the bread and you break it, right? Christ is not actually dying again and again and again. Because that would mean that his first death was meaningless, right? You follow with me so far? That's the problem with the idea of transubstantiation, right? That they're essentially saying that every time we take this bread, it becomes literally the body of Christ. And when we take that body and we break it, he's making that sacrifice again for you. No, he doesn't have to make that sacrifice again for you because his first sacrifice was a one and done deal. 
God also was not a sacrifice. But it recalls Jesus' once for all time sacrificial death as our Passover lamb. That's why I read those two long, maybe boring passages, because you gotta get that. Right? It says, it recalls Jesus' once for all sacrificial death as our Passover lamb. But it is also a covenant renewal ceremony in which we, the church, the keyword there, the church, as God's people, right? As God's people, remember Jesus' exodus for us, or his new exodus for us, and the new covenant that he inaugurated with his bloody death and resurrection. And you see, you understand where we're going with this, right? So the Passover showed us what had to happen later. And now we see the final fulfillment of that when Jesus sits down to eat the last, his last Passover meal with his disciples. <coughs> when we eat the Lord's Supper, what we're doing is we're remembering that Jesus died on our behalf and in our place. So when we, the church, are celebrating the Lord's Supper, we are remembering Jesus' body and blood because his death inaugurated the new covenant. And the very act of eating and drinking is a way to regularly proclaim the gospel until Jesus returns. So you see, you see, the next time you partake in the Lord's Supper, or you partake in communion, whichever term you wish, you wish to use it. Remember what you're actually doing. Remember you're not literally eating the body of Christ. You're not literally consuming his blood in a hope that by doing so, you will get a little bit of his power. Because you see, his power already resides within you once you're doing When you're eating that piece of bread, and you're drinking that little bit of grape juice, or that little bit of wine, you're remembering the fact that you have been set free, that you no longer come under the penalty of death, that the destroyer has not permitted to enter into your life, because what was required of you has already been paid for once and for all. So when you sit down and you eat this meal, when you sit down and you partake of the Lord's Supper in the communion, remember that. Because it's not about eating the body of Christ. It's not about drinking his blood. It's about remembering what he did for you. It is our Passover meal that when we do it, that's what we're remembering. It is 
should be done on special occasions. Maybe not all the time. But when it does happen, think about what you are doing. And tomorrow's Bible readings are Judges 4 through 5, Luke 22, 35 through 53, Psalm 94, 1 through 23, and Proverbs 14, 3 through 4.